Happy New Year! Happy New Year! You've already been in it for a week, at least. Exactly, but we wanted to wait to make sure we watched all the movies. Yep, we saw every single movie that was released last year. So that we can make the most informed decision when it comes to, I'm sure, your listener favorite time of the year, which is... The Countdown. The Countdown, best of 2019. <laughs> 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 it's the final countdown. But oh, it's with I got toot it. Toot. Sure, sure, sure. Anyway, toot toot. Hi, John. Hello, Veronica. Hi. I'm good, thank you. <laughs> and hello, listeners. I was just going to say, I, I, I interrupted you when I was about to say something nice to Veronica. I was, for anyone curious, I gave Veronica the greatest uh, 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 Christmas gift, Hanukkah gift, any kind of gift, whatever this year, when I told her she did not have to watch Star Wars for this <laughs> oh, podcast. Yes. We will not be doing a Rise of the Skywalker uh, episode. I saw it. Um, uh, it sucks. It's garbage. Uh, and if you want to hear me talk about it more, we might be talking about that next week. Because yes. this is a two-part roundup. Uh, this week we'll be doing best of 2019. Uh, next week we'll be doing a quick, uh, um, worst of 2019. I may have spoiled one of my picks. <laughs> um, but we will also be doing in our next episode, the best of the decade. Ooh. But for right now, let's just take it to 2019. The what? year was 2019. <laughs> it was. <laughs> and what a year it was. Wow. Oh, my goodness. What? All, all the highlights. <laughs> Back before we were at war with Iran. Yes. I feel like we've always been at war with Iran. We well, they, certainly, they certainly think so. And members of our administration thought so as well. But I'm um, sure. <laughs> uh, yeah, man. It was kind of a bad year for... I don't know. I would say most things, even movies. Yeah, yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah, I, I, I was. We were going through our top ten list, and and as much as I did enjoy um, uh, the ones at the top of my list, I will say they are closer to just movies I liked more than movies I loved. Right. I feel like there are a few things in my list that I genuinely very much enjoyed. There was, I don't think, other than probably my number one pick, there was not a movie that like was insanely exceptional, in my opinion. Well, here's a question. Um, without saying what it is, because let's not spoil next week's episode, do you have any movies from 2019 on your no. top 10 of the decade? Mm. No. I feel like that might be a little bit of opposite recency bias, though. <laughs> like, I, I feel like... Um, I feel like there is a way to have like opposite recency bias, uh, bias where you're like, where you're like, that can't be one of the best of the decade. I just saw it. That's true, but I feel like a bunch of people had Parasite on their end of decade list, mm -hmm. which va is valid. I mean, I'm sure we'll be talking about Parasite in a bit, uh, <laughs> but yeah, I just think that like, yeah, this year was kind of meh. Yeah. 
but I mean, it's fine. It happens. Not every year can be great. Not every year has, you know. There are a lot of highs, a lot of lows. Um, uh, it can't all like, be 1999. <laughs> yeah, I feel like even more like um, like in, if we were we're not doing TV, but if we were, there were a lot of highs and a lot of real lows over there. True. Um, but you know, whatever. Let's we're, let's we'll, just jump into it. We'll get to some of the lows next week. We also will be getting to some special lows because, um, as always, and by as always, I mean as we did last year, <laughs> uh, we'll be breaking up our countdown uh, with some 2019 superlatives, both yeah. pi- positive and negative, um, some fun little categories. Uh, Yay. <laughs> uh, um, so get get ready for them. It's going to be great. I definitely cheated on some of my answers. <laughs> oh boy, spoiler! <laughs> <laughs> and I also, um, uh, uh, I wrote these all down. So if you hear this yeah. throughout the episode, that's me shuffling my one piece of paper. Man, cursive is not dead. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think that's cursive? I don't know. No, I guess that's not. Just, my handwriting's just so bad. You thought it was cursive. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, all right, I'll start. <laughs> okay, drum roll. All right, we don't have to do number that forever. Number 10. Ooh, that's a sexy voice. <laughs> uh, my number 10 is the movie Transit. I didn't see. Uh, it's uh, it's such a melancholy, weird movie by uh, Christian, Christian uh, Petzold. I can never pronounce his name. Mostly Christian. <laughs> I, I I don't believe I've ever said it. So uh, yeah, I don't think I've ever said it too. Um, uh, but he directed Phoenix from a few years ago, which was about this uh uh a survivor of World War Two who comes back to uh Berlin after the war and sees a man who looks like her husband, even though she thought her husband was dead. Mm. It's a very good movie. It's better than Transit, but Transit okay. is also good. And it's basically about this man uh, who falls in love with this woman who has a husband as they are all trying to escape an unnamed town uh, to go across the sea to an unnamed safe haven, and they're trying to secure papers. What are they trying to escape from? So it's never really clear. Oh, so we so don't it's know sort if it's like, like a plague or a war. Or so it is like a war, sort werewolves. of like a Nazi situation, okay. probably, but it's never really spelled out. They just, they need papers to leave. He, he sort of assumes a dead man's identity. And so he has a way of escaping, and he like keeps trying to help her because he's in love with her, and subsequently her husband to leave this place very casablanca it's very it has like a very purgatory vibe i would say it's it's kind of slow but i would say it was very evocative when i saw it and very melancholy and i really enjoyed it when i saw it which was a long time ago now (laughs) anyway what is your top 10 my number 10 uh, comes from olivia wilde it's book smart Oh, I'm yeah. surprised you have it on your list because you had a bunch of reservations about it. Well, um, no. So uh, uh, I did talk about it on this podcast before. Um, I did find the the dramatic elements or the dramedy elements as the second half of the movie, as it becomes more dramatic, much more successful than the 
more standard teen sex comedy of the first half, Mm -hmm. which is fine. And I actually, the more I think about it, the more I do enjoy how, and I wish they had pushed this further, but the idea that it starts as this teen sex comedy with these goofy characters in the supporting cast, but as the movie continues, um, in a in a way akin to how it is when you're partying with with people you went to school with after school is now is ending and you begin seeing them as humans these characters become more dimensional and it does become more dramatic mm-hmm. um uh and i just you know it's not a perfect movie but there were uh, a lot of things i just really loved in it and um yeah yeah that's great. I liked it. <laughs> it's my number 12 movie, so okay. I will not be talking about it farther down the list. What's your number nine? Number nine. I'm not doing that for mm. anything. <laughs> my number nine, um, very different from Booksmart. Um, my number nine is Climax. Ooh. Uh, yep. I really like Climax, too. It's my number 11, so... You should talk about it. Though. Oh yeah, I guess I should be. I should. I. I, I wasn't doing any kind of synopsis. Uh, the first one. Uh, that's a movie about uh, teen girls. Anyway, so this movie. <laughs> uh, uh, Gasper. Uh, now my turn to fail at pronunciation. Uh, Gasper Noé. Um, his film about a dance troupe uh, in the '90s who goes go to a secluded like rec center or I think it's like a high school or something. Yeah, it's some sort of a like dorm that also has like yeah like yeah some sort so it, of a... not really it doesn't matter so yeah, what matters matter. is they're secluded it's a big yeah. storm they've been uh, choreographing and rehearsing a dance um for uh, all weekend and now they're gonna have a little party and hang out um and then someone <laughs> without anyone else knowing uh spikes their sangria with a bunch of acid um and then we live with these characters uh, as they have the worst night of their lives. Some of them, d- like like when you do <laughs> a bunch of drugs, some people have an okay night, yeah. which I also really liked. Some people have a very bad night. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, this movie, uh, I feel like there's a weird thing where there was a lot of movies this year that were very effective in making you feel uncomfortable in the way the characters are. Right. And I'm talking about something like uh, Uncut Gems makes you feel as tense as those characters. Or The Lighthouse. The Lighthouse was yeah. my other example. Yeah. Um, and perhaps maybe <laughs> The Souvenir makes you feel like you're oh, in God, that Oh, God, yes. Oh, my God. I mean, can I have a little su- souvenir side? <laughs> I'm guessing it's not on your list? It's not on my list because... I genuinely found it so hard to watch because I felt so much for that young woman. (laughs) Not that I was ever in that specific situation, but sort of like just being like tethered to this man who's like terrible for you and still like just like being trapped in that like weird relationship. I just felt so much for her that it the whole movie made me so uncomfortable that I can't in good (laughs) faith like like it. Do you know what character I related to the most? Uh, Tilda Swinton. <laughs> I know. Um, I was going to say that. No, the character I most related to was a character who's in, I think, one or two scenes, who's just another guy at film school with her, who in one scene is just describing his movie to her. Oh, and yeah. then he's like, oh, I'm, I'm, are you listening? And she's like, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about this relationship. <laughs> That's the character I related to. The character who is unimportant and is trying to get people to listen to him talk about something he cares about. <laughs> Aww. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, but okay, so back to Climax. Uh, but yeah, no, like those movies, um, Climax, more, 
I feel like there are so many movies that try to make you feel like you're having a bad drug trip. Like, I was never a huge fan of um, uh, Fear and Loathing. Um, and not yeah, not just like not just because of uh, Terry Gilliam's recent interviews, <laughs> but um, like I never loved that movie. But I feel like this one does such an effective job of making you feel like you are having a bad drug trip to the point where like I, I saw that in a theater, and maybe this won't work in home video. But I saw home video. How old am I? <laughs> streaming, streaming, um, the kids. Betamax. <laughs> um, uh, <laughs> uh, but like in a in a dark theater, I real they do a thing where the movie starts, they show half the credits, the movie continues, then they show more credits, right. like thirty minutes later. I had no idea at any point if the movie was about to end or there were two hours left, <laughs> just like a bad drug trip. Yeah. Um, and also, well. Spoilers, uh, during some of our superlatives, I, I might have more to say about this movie. Actually, yeah. uh, a couple times. Um, wow. Yeah. But yeah, so I'll stop now. Stuff. Climax, number yeah, nine. Yeah, I also thought that because like he uses a lot of long tracking shots mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of the movie, it does really put you in the same place yeah. because it's very much from a perspective of someone who's roaming the halls where being surrounded by these crazy drugged up dancers <laughs> and one screaming child. That, uh, <laughs> that sequence where they're first slowly realizing something's wrong yeah. is so tense and stressful. But yeah, that's my number nine. Great. Uh, my number nine is The Farewell. Ooh. Have you seen The Farewell? You know I haven't. Oh boy. All right. I'm uh, zero for two with John so far. I haven't. Sorry. Golden Uh, Globe winning Aquafina (laughs) performance. Yes. So she is wonderful. That whole relationship. Okay. So for those who don't know, it's um, uh, a movie about a young woman uh, who's uh, Chinese American who lives in Queens. And she finds out that her beloved grandma, who she is fairly close with, but only via the phone, who lives in China, is uh, has uh, terminal cancer. But that her family dis- uh, has decided not to tell her, which is apparently a thing in China. And my friend, who also has Chinese family, said that that is a thing that They don't happens. tell the patient? They don't. So your family is so involved... With your care, in a way, like, that the doctor would talk to the family, and then the family kind of decides whether to tell the actual patient what's going on. I guess I kind of get that. I went home for the holidays, and my grandmother uh, started talking about how much she liked my ex-girlfriend, and we're all just like, let's not tell her. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that, but imagine... You had cancer. <laughs> they decided not to tell you. Uh, anyway, and, I was gonna make a mean joke, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, and so, but she kind of decides to insert herself into the situation and fly over to China. So, oh, so what they end up doing is that they kind of stage her cousin's uh, a wedding of her cousin to his Japanese girlfriend. <laughs> Uh, so that they can all have like a last hurrah with the grandma and have like a big family gathering that's actually not about saying farewell to the grandma, even though that's what it is for everyone but her. Mm. And um, so Aquafina's character kind of flies there thinking that she's gonna actually like tell the grandma, but things get more complicated. It's super touching. The last scene made me choke up and cry. It's so well done. Uh, I mean, I guess it depends on... No, I don't think it does. But I have, like, a fairly close relationship with my grandma. And so, like, I don't know. It 
touched me in that way too but I think even if you don't just like the humanity of that story and just you know people are making imperfect decisions in order to hopefully help out their loved ones it was very good and it had like a very authentic I mean I've never been to China or anything but it, <laughs> but it felt like it it was like a realistic depiction of you know a slice of life mm. and what it's like to sort of go to China and you know participate in family events there it it felt like very lived in and i appreciated that a lot all right well safe safe farewell to number 9 cuz it's time for number 8 ooh sexy voice <laughs> you, you uh, started it off all right my number 8 is missing link oh, surprise golden, golden globe, globe winner. winner fuck you computers <laughs> So I believe this is Studio Like. We're recording this the day after the Golden Globes. <laughs> I don't know if that's clear. Uh, so uh, this is a Studio Like a movie, which, you know, brought you such underappreciated gems as Paranorman and Coraline. Um, and Kubo and the Two Strings. Uh, which I have not seen, but Neither I Neither have I, but I like saying Kubo. Uh, and uh, anyway, it's such a sweet heartwarming but not saccharine children's story about this bumbling wannabe like uh adventurer and discoverer of odd things <laughs> who decides to impress his, uh this gentleman club where everyone is a famed explorer and he's considered sort of a joke uh by going to america and finding the sasquatch uh, and he actually ends up finding the Sasquatch, but turns out that the Sasquatch is only lonely because there's no one like him around where he lives. And so the explorer decides to help him and go to Nepal, where the Yeti live, and uh, find people who look like him, or oh. Sasquatches who look like him. It's very sweet and funny, and uh, the voices are great. I think it's Hugh Jackman and Zach Galifianakis mm. are the two leads. And it doesn't go where you think it will. It Nepal. Well, even for, I mean, more like <laughs> emotionally and sure. plot t- twist-wise. And yeah, I had just like a really great time in the theater, seeing it in an empty theater, because that movie, as I said before, underperformed. <laughs> but it was it was very lovely and a nice little surprise. Hey, parents, teach your kids to fucking like stop motion animation. <laughs> Take your fucking kids away from whatever Angry Birds sequel they want to watch and have them watch something better. Um, yeah. That being said, I did not see Missing Link. You should. Uh, I'm it's 0 for 3 nice. on movies you on your list. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm actually two for two for movies you have seen. Well, I think I saw... Did I see both of those with you? So. Well, that's true. Okay. No, I don't think we saw Booksmart together. Okay. No one cares. All right, moving on. <laughs> well, uh, my number eight uh, is another uh, smaller film. Uh, this was Avengers Endgame. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I believe I had... Um, uh, I think I had Infinity War on my list last year. You and, did. And Infinity War is a, b- a better film. Um, you think so? I think, well, it's, uh, endings are harder. Mm. Um, it's more fun to set up the horrible cliffhanger. Mm. But I, uh, so um, uh, my brother and his wife, uh, wonderful people, um, <laughs> got me a, a year-long D- uh, Disney Plus subscription for Christmas, which is a great gift. Uh, I love Disney movies, but I... Honestly, was like, what am I going to watch on this thing? <laughs> um, so I turned it on, and I'm like, well, I can't watch The Simpsons till they fix the fucking cropping issue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I 
don't feel like watching The Mandalorian. Um, in fact, my brother, my the baby brother, Yoda show. Yeah, the baby Yoda. My brother, when he gave me this gift, his card just said, "The Mandalorian is just okay." <laughs> <laughs> but so I, um, I was kind of killing time. Uh, we were waiting for some relatives to get over for for Christmas dinner, and I just threw on uh, Endgame again. And this was a couple days after I watched Rise of Skywalker. And had I not rewatched Endgame right after watching Rise of Skywalker, this might not be on my list. <laughs> but watching Avengers Endgame seemingly so easily and mm-hmm. casually do so many things that Rise of Skywalker could not do in any capacity mm. and making it seem easy and breathless. It just, uh, uh, I just have so much respect. You know, I think mass, mass, uh, mass popular, popular entertainment is, you know, it's lesser art, sure, whatever, but it's also, um, uh, look, I'm not one of the people who's angry at Martin Scorsese. He's allowed to say whatever he wants. And yeah, most of them aren't cinema, whatever the fuck that means. But um, but just because it's lesser art does not ma- mean it's easier. I think it's definitely a different muscle. I have such respect for the Marvel team for having the batting average that they do. Um, and I, ju- it's the, I, I think I went into this last year of just talking about like the kids who grew up watching these movies and the effect they'll have on them. And obviously I think the, the infinity war ending will have a stronger effect. Um, but you know, this one, the effect that they can have that many characters and they all have satisfying arcs. Whereas rise of Skywalker has less characters and literally not a single, single one has an arc of any kind. Uh, it's just scenes have beginning middles and ends you can do that in a big budget movie it's incredible dialogue is clever and isn't just people yelling the thing they've got to go to um it's but i i don't want to just i feel like i'm 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 not giving its due by just <laughs> shitting on rise of skywalker and said <laughs> avengers endgame save it's, it to the next episode yes it's avengers endgame is great big popular entertainment there's a reason it made as much money as it did. There's a reason as many people love it as as they did. It's it's this is the best at what it is, and I I that it's not damning with fame praise because what it is is incredibly difficult. Go Avengers Endgame. I like it. Yeah, I this is my number thirteen. If oh. we were doing, uh, yeah, I I liked it even a lot. because even with Spider Man in there, uh, I hate Spider Man. <laughs> Uh, I like that he was dead for most of it. <laughs> no, I I mean, I don't... I, yeah, whatever. Uh, <laughs> but I really liked it. I thought it really wrapped up everything in a satisfying way. You might recall that I did not like Infinity War. <laughs> so, Interesting. So I was very surprised to enjoy this as much as I did. But yeah, it was kind of like heartwarming to see like everything end. And it was also a nice relief that everything ended... And I kind of don't really need to watch anymore. Yeah, I mean, that that is one issue that I do not care about the, <laughs> <laughs> the Marvel movies going forward. Um, so I, apologies to Falcon and Winter Soldier. I will prob... Well, you know what? I have the Disney Plus subscription now, so, so I'll probably yeah. watch, like Mandalorian, an episode. <laughs> uh, all right. So we are uh, down to our first. A little interlude. Superlative time. It's superlative time. So, uh, do you want to go first? 
Yep. So this first one is uh, greatest musical moment Ooh. of the year. Um, and I have a, had a really hard time because I had four scenes that I wanted to put in either this or a later superlative of favorite scene of the year. Mm-hmm. And this is the ones I'm cheating with. I have split them up and I'm doing an honorable mention for each of these categories. Fair enough. Only for these two categories, I promise. All right. I'll um, do the same. I actually have two for each. All right. So my first honorable mention is uh, Rocket Man. And I'm going to choose... Whoa, you saw Rocket Man? I fucking saw it. <laughs> I saw it on an a, airplane? No, I saw it with a group of comedians opening night. <laughs> wow. Um, I hadn't had a lovely time. No, I did have a lovely time. Because um, Rocket Man is a completely generic music biopic in large parts. And that's why this movie will not be on my top ten list. <laughs> the middle, The second act falls dreadfully into... Everything you can imagine a second act of a rock and roll biopic to be. No, See if you can Elton, guess the scenes. you're doing too many drugs. You <laughs> yep. are forgetting your family and where you came from. You're nailing it. <laughs> but, but, um, other than those scenes, which are, which are as generic as you imagine them to be, this movie is full, full-heartedly a movie musical. Mm. Um, with surreal, big choreographed dance scenes in a way that you just rarely see, mm-hmm. um, and in a way that's fun and light, like the opening five minutes of La La Land and none of the rest of La La Land. <laughs> um, and I'm not a La La Land hater, but um, but it's and my my choice for this is um, when he sings uh, uh, Saturday Nights All Right for Fighting. Mm-hmm. I think is the Saturday. Yep. And this is the song where he transitions from the child version into the adult version. God, I, I'm there's a, a child version. Yeah, the, the first few scenes, like any of these movies. Oh. Um, and uh, and I God, I, I hope I'm getting the song right. But anyway, it's it's so Taron Egerton as uh, Elton John dancing around Golden a carnival, going to go dancing around a carnival, and it's, he's dancing through a carnival, and people are driving motorcycles by, and it's all choreographed, and it's just like yeah, movie musicals are fucking fun, um, <laughs> and and if you're doing a goddamn stupid jukebox musical, it should be a musical. Make it look like a fucking musical. Don't make Bohemian Rhapsody. Make Rocket Man. All right, but that was just my honorable mention. My. Favorite musical moment of the year has to be the opening dance number for Climax, which I have watched so many times. <laughs> uh, I have put this on on the TV in the background at parties. I have just watched it over and over again. So, like I said, Climax is about a, a group of dancers. Before the drugs happen, before things go bad, we just see them rehearsing their dance. And they do a four and a half minute unbroken take uh, uh, dance number with uh, Noe's camera floating above them, moving into them. And it's this number where they dance as a group and then one person will step forward solo. And I I can't really describe, I'm not a dancer. I know nothing about (laughs) about dance, but they're all doing different dance styles. They're all like, some of them are voguing. Some of them are doing more like classical ballet stuff. And it's very good. It's also my scene. Oh, really? Oh, well then, yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's share it. No, we can all share it. But yeah, I, I also really dug it. I think, just like in terms of getting you in the headspace for the movie and just like pure impressive feat of just having this constant shot 
And the music is so good. It's just like it's a very perfect scene. There are, there are so many moments in this dance. I, one, I always think uh, um, the, the DJ, who's a, a larger guy, there's a moment where he uh, reaches. So the camera has moved right above them and he reaches up to the sky and everyone kind of everyone kind of like uh, they're on like kind of their their knees, like in like almost like a worshipful mm-hmm. motion towards him. And he just has this big smile on his face of such like exuberant joy. It is, if you haven't seen it, like it's not going to spoil anything because it's just them rehearsing their dance. Look up opening dance from uh, yes. from Climax. The entire thing is on YouTube. It is so incredible and fun to watch. <laughs> yes, that one is good. And if you don't want to, if you don't, if you don't want to see horrible things happen to those characters, don't watch anything more. But if you like fun, terrible movies, not terrible, but fun, mo- good movies where terrible things happen, watch the rest. Yes. Yeah, definitely. And you can pick a character who you don't like and then see like a bunch of bad shit happen to them, no. most likely. Uh, my other, I guess my honorable mention, since we kind of went mm. in a circle, is the, this is kind of just something that got stuck in my head a lot. I don't, I, it almost qualifies, but I want it to qualify and I want to bring it up somewhere. Uh-huh. It's the little mnemonic song that the sister from Parasite oh, does great. when right before she rings the doorbell and like it's something like went to school yeah, and like something, yeah Jessica only child from Illinois Chicago <laughs> I just I find it so adorable and it gets stuck in my head a lot um there are some YouTube videos where people put it to a beat <laughs> it's delightful uh I mean I think she is Probably my favorite character. The, the, the sister? Movie. The yeah, sister from too. the movie. Uh, and yeah, and I thought that it was just like a funny little detail that is from a movie chock full of them. But I thought that was probably like m- the one that I liked the most. Uh, love that movie. Love that scene. Love that character. All right. Next, our next superlative. Uh, we are doing biggest disappointment of the year. Let's Ooh. do that before surprise. We'll, we'll get positive afterwards. All right. Um, I feel like I've talked enough. I'll go first just because I'm not going to say much about this and I'll talk about it more later. Fucking Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> that, uh, more will be said in next week's episode. We'll leave it there now. <laughs> All right. Uh, mine, we talked about this previously on the podcast, is Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> it's definitely not... Um, really? Yeah. Is your biggest disappointment of the year? Yeah. I mean, it's not... I don't think it's a terrible movie. And, like, it keeps winning awards, and I'm fine with that. If Brad Pitt wins an Oscar, great. Like, I'm not... It's just, like, to me, Quentin Tarantino is my favorite filmmaker, and this is probably the most disappointing movie of his that I've seen. Uh, I know we've talked... I forgot that you felt this way, and I'm so dumbfounded. Yeah, I... Did you like Hateful Eight more? Yes. I like... Unfathomable (laughs) to me. I've seen the Hateful Eight, like... Probably four times at this point. That's also unfathomable. (laughs) Yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot more. I felt it had more to say. And I know, like, I mean, we should not rehash this. If you want (laughs) to check out our Lion King slash uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood episode. But it's just, like, (laughs) coming in with such huge expectations, Mm. I was very much let down. All right. So... It's okay. It happens. Well, let's make it uh, nicer. What was your biggest surprise of the year? Uh, okay. So I have, I guess I have two, <laughs> okay. uh, but I'm I'm not gonna talk about them in, at length. Uh, one is this small Icelandic movie I ended up seeing called Woman at War, mm-hmm. and it's about a middle aged woman 
who, while in the process of adopting a young girl from Ukraine, starts being sort of an eco-warrior around Reykjavik, bombing power stations to protest climate change. It's very wry in what I assume is a very Icelandic sense of humor, uh, since this is probably the only Icelandic movie I've ever seen. Um, but it's it's wonderful. I, I thought it was really funny and weird. It has this fun fourth wall breaking thing where all the music is diegetic uh-huh. in the sense of like the band just follows her around. So they're like, on screen. Yeah. So oh, like fun. So you would they would pan sometimes like at the end of the scene she would like go somewhere and then they would pan around the field like even and then there would be like a band. It's very there's playing. something about Mary. Yeah, and it was it was like such a fun detail and they have like a little like the band has a small arc which was very sweet. Uh, so yeah, that movie was super fun. And the second one was Good Boys. No, I didn't see it. I thought that movie was adorable. It was not, I think, I think before seeing it, and I think somewhat in the way that it was marketed, it was like, oh, young kids saying raunchy things was mm. the thing. But I think what was missed in all of that is how sweet that movie yeah. is and how nice those kids are to each other and to everyone else they're just sweet kids stuck in like a weird scenario and they truly like each other and think they're gonna be best friends forever and it was very touching and and also just funny it was a very funny movie it's funny that we had two movies this year that were really marketed as super uh super bad Super bad but blank. We had super bad but girls with Book Smart, and then super bad but younger with Good Boys. Yes, and I feel like both of them. The thing that's actually makes either of those movies special is not that thing. Like I think. Yeah. For, oh yeah. yeah. No, I agree. Uh yeah. And who who in uh, Good Boys was related to Jonah Hill? Uh no. <laughs> as far as <laughs> <What>? I know. <laughs> Come on, you have his sister in Booksmart. You gotta have his son in. Well, <laughs> Jacob Tremblay is he his son? <laughs> yep, Jonah Hill, the father of Jacob Tremblay. Everyone knows that. Uh, but yeah, all three boys were absolutely adorable. Great. Well, my uh, biggest surprise of the year. Um, surprise. Wasn't as big a surprise because I'm never surprised. Uh, but no, no, no. This I I had I was crossing my fingers hoping this would be good, and it was good. I really liked Shazam. Aww, a yeah. movie we talked about. Uh, and I considered it a surprise just because of how awful the all the, the DC, DC movies are. are. Um, but it was really like. Yeah, I just, uh, uh, the cast was really fun. I liked the tone they struck. Uh, yeah, you listen to that episode. I liked it. Yeah, it was fun. I really liked the, his, uh, uh, sort of, I guess, what would you call it? Family? Yeah, but specifically, like, his, I guess, their foster brother. Would that be the proper That's, thing? Yeah, foster brother is what yeah. you'd call that. Yeah, I was trying to, I was really blanking on the word foster. <laughs> uh, anyway, but yeah, I, I thought it, it was super fun. And if there is a sequel to that movie, I would complain less All right. <laughs> than others. All right. Um, okay, back to our countdown. We are at number seven. What is your number seven? My number seven. Um, uh, this is uh, Dolomite is my name. Oh, I have not seen the first you movie. You uh, should. I, I want to. After Eddie Murphy hosted SNL, it kind of made me want to watch it. Well, I thought he did a great job. He's uh, he's wonderful in this. I mean, this is 
Um, it, it's very much a character he could play in his sleep. Um, that being said, it's a really good character, and I feel like you know mm-hmm. he hasn't done a, a challenging character in a while, and, and it's a very paradoxical challenging doing a sleep. But <laughs> but it's so I think I talked about this when I saw it a couple months ago or a month ago. Um, he is very. Uh, it's not. It's it's. Uh, uh, what what is the word I'm looking for? It's it's not a foster. Foster, yes. <laughs> uh, no, no. Where he's, it's not. It's he's very willing to look foolish. Um, what? Uh, uh, un. Uh, un. Oh God, I know. Unselfish, you're... not you know un. Uh, well, oh, we know who fucking cares. Um, but yeah, no, he's great. And and like I said, uh, when I saw it um, on this show, uh, um, it is very much it's the writers of Ed Wood. Uh, it's very much just kind of like the Ed Wood structure again, mm-hmm. but the structure fucking works. And the supporting cast is so fun. The true life story has enough fun details in it. it it's just. You know, putting on a show stories are fun. Um, uh, uh, family coming together to put it, put on a show, like a found family. Um, just all the scenes towards the end, they just you just you've you've come to really like these characters, and you're so happy for them achieving this thing that they wanted to do, as silly as it was. Mm-hmm. It's uh yeah, it's it's just a good time. Oh, for anyone, yes, I I didn't do any kind of synopsis. Uh, Dolomite <laughs> is my name is a. True story about the making of the film Dolomite. Um, Dolomite? Dolomite. Um, which was a film made by... Oh, my God. What's the real guy's name? I don't know. I'm going to talk. I look it not... up. It's it's blank, Ray blank. Um, but uh, he was a kind of failed musician, failed comic, failed a bunch of things, and then created this character of Dolomite. Rudy Ray Moore. I got the Ray. Uh, Rudy Ray Moore, um, and so he created this character of Dolomite, and then decided to make a movie about it, uh, um, a Shaft-style black exploitation movie, um, dis- starring himself despite very little acting uh, talents. <laughs> um, uh, he's a martial arts expert despite uh, not knowing martial arts. Um, uh, Eddie Murphy plays him as as out of shape, and it's just it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's on it's on Netflix. You can pop it on. It's a it's a very fun watch. Oh, Craig Brewer directed this, yep. and he's going to direct Coming to America. It's coming to America too. Yeah. The... Well, I guess they got on well then. Well, it's coming to oh. America. <laughs> to America, to coming. Yeah, to America, to coming. Uh, awesome. I, I do genuinely want to check it out. Yeah. Um, all right. My number seven, right? Yep. Is Uncut Gems. Ooh, <laughs> a movie that just makes you feel good into a movie that just makes you feel bad. Yes. Uh, so I think I wrote this before, but I stand by it when I say that everyone in this movie has an aggressively bad taste at everything. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it is true. That movie, like you mentioned earlier, really gets you in the mindset of the characters uh, for better or worse. Uh, <laughs> the previous Safdie Brothers movie, Good Time, I hated with a passion. Uh, and this really? one, yeah, I just, yeah, I let's not talk what, about what it. What was different about it? About this one? Uh, I just, it's Oh, did you tell like, me you really didn't like, you just didn't like the way he treated his brother? Was that you? I, 
I mean, I'm sure that was part of it. I just, like, it felt like it was kind of, like, going through the motions of trying to, like, shock you and make you uncomfortable mm. for, like, really no good reason. Whereas, like, this one seems to be in a service of a plot or in the thing to say, which I liked more. Uh, Adam Sandler is amazing. Um, the weekend <laughs> is great. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I just thought that, like... I also, this is like a weird thing, but I was hyped up. This is the nerdiest thing on green tea. <laughs> I, I drank a whole pot of green tea okay. and I'm not a coffee drinker, so I don't like ingest caffeine normally. So even like an amount of a whole teapot full of green tea got me so jazzed up for this movie to the point where I don't know whether the movie was as effective as just like the adrenaline shot that I got from all that green tea I drank. <laughs> but uh, I thought I was like, it, that movie was constantly in motion. It was like constantly just like had me at the edge of my seat. Uh, Kevin Garnett is dumb. <laughs> 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 Which I kind of enjoyed that they just made him into kind of a dummy. Has, uh, has he done any interviews about his, about his depiction in that? No, not that I've read. I he's very game. Yeah, I think like sort of like on purpose i don't think he's like dumb in real life i would imagine yeah and he, but, he's, like, he certainly fits in i mean like obviously he's playing himself but he 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 totally works he's performing he's it's a good performance yeah i thought everyone were great in it like keith stanfield i mean he's great in everything but like um yeah that woman julia fox that we now know too much about <laughs> <laughs> read her interview what was it in the cut yes uh and then click on all the links that it links to uh, but yeah, I, I really did not expect to like it as much as I did, but here we are. Go see Uncut Gems. How <laughs> that? Our no number sevens clearly our SNL, previous SNL cast member slot. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Probably the two most successful ones. Well, let's see if there's any connection in number six. Six. You're, you're up first. Oh, I'm yeah. up first. Okay. Uh, number six for me is us. Uh, I, no connection. No <laughs> connection. <laughs> well, so someone could find a connection, but no, no, no keep go. Uh, Tim Heidegger. I don't know. Uh, you don't know what my six is yet. Stop trying to find a connection. <laughs> oh, between. Oh, I thought between. Uh, yeah, our, yeah, never mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So us. Uh, I'm sure, as everyone knows, is about an average all-American family who goes on a vacation by a placid lake. Only to find out that their house is being invaded by people who look exactly like them. <laughs> uh, and uh, it starts happening to everyone. And the untethered soon take over the whole world. <laughs> I don't really want to... Spoilers. Wanna, I, yeah, I don't really want to spoil it too much, though, even though we have been spoiling... Um, I don't yeah. think we that there's nothing that we've said about any of these movies that I think I feel like we have spoiled climax. I think like we should there should I, be like I haven't said anything that anyone going into it would know. I I would say if you don't know but that'd be an interesting viewing experience right. if you didn't well, know that it got dark. I, I would say that I feel at this point I guess maybe for like things like Cut Cut Jumps that just came out. But I feel like with us, that came out I'm, in March. I'm not trying to spoil That's anything. I think it's a non-spoiler countdown. Anyway, so I think, uh, yeah, so I think us just, you know what? I The more I thought about it, I thought the twist really worked uh, for me. Uh, I, I mean, I guess oh, I've okay. never... Oh, okay. I was trying to think what the twist was. Uh, yeah, and I think it's just great performances all around. Lupita and Yango. 
Uh, the guy who plays her husband, whose name I forget, his last name is Duke. Uh, Tyree? No. Wait. No, that's from uh, Brian Tyree Henry. He's not. Oh, there. God, you're right. Yeah. Uh, I forget his first name. Uh, but he is so funny. He is such a dad, Winston Duke. Uh, and uh, the uh, I especially loved Elizabeth Moss when she played her uh, tethered person. Uh, I thought that it's not. I like it. It is a contender for my scene of the year, but I'm not going to talk about it in that context. But the invasion into the Elizabeth Moss and Tim Heidegger house is so funny and scary at the same time. Uh, it, yeah, there's just a lot of set pieces that are really wonderful. And even though this movie has been kind of like, people are like, well, it's not Get Out. <laughs> uh, I feel like that's kind of unfair. I feel like that movie is great on its own right. And um, you should check it out if you haven't. All right. Um, I guess a connection <laughs> to mine, um, horror, horror-ish... Although mine is barely a horror movie. Um, uh, class issues? Sure. sure. Uh, my number six is Ready or Not. Here I come. You can <laughs> um, Ready or Not is the story of a, uh, a woman played by uh, Samara or Samantha. I don't know. Samara Weaving, um, who uh, mar- uh, marries average woman, marries into average a... Average woman. She's not average. She's Hugo Weaving's niece. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's very pretty. All right. A beautiful woman. <laughs> Um, financially average, let's put it that way, um, who marries into a, uh, a family of real one percenters, um, who have a dark secret, um, th- that involves playing a game of some kind, um, and eventually, uh, a lot of death happens. Um, it's in a big spooky mansion. Um, uh, this was de- certainly a year of, um, uh, uh, uh fuck the rich people movies. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you got your parasites, uh, you know, to whatever extent your you want to knives out. Your knives out. You got your successions on TV. Um, you've got a uh, 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 Joker. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then you have Ready or Not, which is kind of the silly version. Um, although Knives Out is plenty silly as well. But uh, not, uh, Ready or Not, while um, I think I've said on this uh, podcast, this, the middle second act. Uh, definitely dips a bit because they uh, there's a whole sequence where they're kind of saving all the family members for the end. So she's getting chased by the butler, who uh, no follow the performance just isn't as interesting a character. But um, he loves classical music. <laughs> that's, yeah, um, but it's it's a, f- a full of wonderful character moments, wonderful characters. The the great aunt with her terrifying haircut. Oh, yeah. Um, and just, Who I was convinced was Amy Sedaris for the longest time. <laughs> I believe it. Um, every uh, Samara Weaving is so fun as the lead, but every performer who plays one of the family members crushes it. They're all so funny. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone from Andy McDowell to Adam Brody. Adam Can Brody. we talk about Adam Brody? Adam Brody's wonderful in it. Um, he is. He should be more employed. Yeah, I don't. I really like him. I don't know the name of some of the other the other cast members. Um, 
uh, Adam Brody also has a cameo in another movie that is mentioned in this podcast, but we won't spoil which one it is. Oh, that's true. Aww. <laughs> um, uh, the the like the coked up woman was great. Uh, the guy looking up crossbows on his phone. This is just. Oh it, yeah, he was very good too. This yeah. is such a fun movie, and while the middle section keeps it from being a true classic, the ending is so is so perfect and boosts it right up to being great. Um, uh, I just had a lot of fun. Yes, I I would have put it as the biggest surprise, mm. but I actually did expect to like it quite a bit. So, but, Oh, what you, we didn't put a category for best trailer. I would have put this as my best trailer of the year. I don't think I've seen the trailer for it. Uh, but yeah, I really dug that movie too. It's great. All right. I'll do my number five. My number, number five, five is... Ad Astra. Ooh. Little known actor Brad Pitt stars. <laughs> um, this is, uh, in many ways, this is Heart of Darkness or Apocalypse Now in Space. Um, uh, which, space. right down to the incredibly uh, pretentious voiceover, which is, I would say, probably the, 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 the low point of the movie <laughs> at some parts. But it's fine. But basically, uh, Brad Pitt plays a an astronaut uh recently separated from his wife um because he was too devoted to his work uh who get hears that his father who supposedly died in space many years ago might still be alive um and due to many complications uh is sent up to find him and it's a in some parts, slow and beautiful movie. Uh, some parts, surprisingly action-filled movie. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a battle with pirates on the moon. Sure. Um, uh, there's also... Yeah, I won't even mention the other big action scene because it is so surprising. Um, did you see it? No, I want to. I, yep, I will, I'll, I'll say no more. That movie was literally in theaters for like three weeks. It, this was, And I missed it. I think this was very much the annihilation of this year. The very uh, or the you know, Blade Runner twenty forty nine of this year, all movies I truly love. Um, just a very like cerebral sci fi movie that scared people off. But um, but yeah, it's great, and it's just this this exploration of what matters in life and how you can be consumed by your work. I. Yeah, I, I, I just really liked it. There's just some wonderful set pieces in there. Brad Pitt's great. Tommy Lee Jones plays the uh, father. Um, yeah, I liked it a lot. I, I, that's how I'm ending all of these. Yeah, liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah, I, I want to see it. It's probably like, I feel like the two movies on your list that I haven't seen are on the top of my list of two C movies. Which What was the other one? Uh, Dolomite is my ah, name. Ah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, do you want Brad Pitt to win an Oscar for this or for Once Upon a Time in Hollywood? I mean, it's tough. I like his character. Yeah, I mean, the his he's great in both movies. His character is so stoic in um in this one. But there is there is there's a scene where he is recording a message to his father, and at first he reads the one that the government wrote for him, and then he decides to record another one, and mm -hmm. then just everything he does in the end, I. You know, I'll say, I I definitely have a um, this movie hits a lot of my so, like soft spots of like uh, uh, tearjerker things, but I got a little misty towards a number of uh, scenes at the end of this Aww, movie. Oh, nice, good. Uh, yeah, 
Uh, I do want to see And it. not even the last five. There's a, a scene that should be so, um, so trite and hacky, but it really, it worked. It worked. It, they earned it. Dope. All right. Moving on. My number five. We're at five, right? We're at five. Is a midsummer. Oh. Uh, I had <laughs> such a great time seeing this movie. We're not going to talk about cats on this podcast, but other than cats, I think this was my favorite time. In, How do you know? It might movies. be my number one. <laughs> That's true. I suppose that could be. Um, yeah, I just, again, this is kind of a theme. I enjoyed hereditary i really liked the first half of it and then i did really did not care about the jump scares at the end uh and this one was such a fun like weird mood piece in a weird Mm -hmm. way where it was just like it had the most accurate depiction of mushrooms that i've seen in movies it was so colorful and so watch nice. midsummer for your mushrooms yeah. watch, watch climax for your acid uh yeah i just I, it was scary it was funny it was surprising it was spooky and it was not it had like this like such weird asides and like all these like weird characters that had no names but you could really distinguish between them towards the end it really is a movie about, like, what happens if you're too cowardly to break up with your girlfriend. <laughs> and it's, um, yeah, really, I thought it worked uh, super well for me. And it's so pretty. <laughs> and it goes into such weird places. Uh, so, yeah, uh, I really, really like that movie. Yeah, there's stuff in this movie I loved. Um, like uh, Hereditary, I think the filmmaking is so great. Um, the visuals are so wonderful and the performances are so great. The performances that Ari Aster gets, obviously from great actors, but, you know, a lot of that is the, the director as well. Performances again are so great. They're, for both movies, there's something about the this, this script that I think doesn't all come together in the end. Mm. Yeah, um, I feel like you had more problems with the script than I did. I, I've said this a, a few times. I would so love to see him direct a movie he didn't write. <laughs> and that's not that like there, there's still stuff I love about this movie I just think I or have a different script writing collaborator I don't know it's not that the screenplay's bad I think there are he said in interviews ah, I'm not gonna get into detail but I there are parts of this that I truly loved and it would be close to my top 10 it just didn't make it because there's certain things I didn't love about mm. fair enough all right, superlative time? Superlative times. I think I go first this yeah, time. Yeah, all right. All right. So let's hear your good scene from a bad movie. Whoa. All right. So mine is somewhat cheating, not in the sense that it's multiple scenes, even though it is, but it's from the same movie. Uh, it's the outtakes from Between Two Ferns. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I thought that movie was really not as fun as I wanted it to be. And I love those Between Two Ferns segments. But the outtakes are so funny. I kind of like, I watched them again before doing this. So here are some of the things. I mean, also just because we know that someone telling you a funny thing is always super yeah, funny. Oh, yeah, people love it. Uh, but yeah, it's just like basically a collection of 
you know, just like random things that Zach Galifianakis says that are super funny, like asking Matthew McConaughey whether when he and Woody Harrelson are shooting a movie together, are they worried about some sack somewhere not being hackied? (laughs) Or talking or asking uh, John Hamm about how Don Draper is hanging in the Smithsonian Museum and how how is it next right next to the Bill Cosby sweater? <laughs> so shit like that. There's a lot more, uh, but I just yeah I could just watch those out- outtakes for a long time. All right, all right. Um, mine is a. Uh, uh... Uh, a divisive movie some people love some people truly hate i was closer to the middle but leaning negative my good scene is the opening credits for jojo rabbit oh i like is that the nazi camp uh well the nazi camp that is my favorite part i'm not talking about the opening sequence of the nazi camp that is my favorite favorite section of the movie what are the credits the opening credits are the shots of uh, the actual historical footage of people cheering a procession uh, featuring Adolf Hitler set to a German cover of, I forgot which song, but some Beatles song. Oh, I want to hold your hand. Yes, yes. thus making a connection <laughs> between uh, like putting Hitler up as like a pop star. Uh-huh. Um, and I think just that idea has the satiric edge that the rest of the movie lacks. And was mm-hmm. saying something that was both trenchant and relevant to our times in a way that the other movies, uh, the other, the rest of the movie just didn't lack. Yeah. Uh, sadly, th- this was a, a runner up for disappointment of the year for me. But um, but I do think the opening credits were f- borderline brilliant. Yeah, I really like the beginning of it. And then I slowly kind of was let down by that movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so probably we had similar experience. All right, I'll go next. Um, most overhyped. Hey, you better believe it's gotta be Joker. <laughs> overhyped in every way. There are people who said it was good. It's not. There are people who said it was dangerous. It's not. There are people who said it had something to say. It doesn't. Fuck this movie. It's not my least favorite movie of the year. Technically well made, sure. Joaquin Phoenix's performance is good, I guess. Who cares? It sucks. It's stupid. <laughs> the fact that we treated this as if this movie mattered in any fucking way is so frustrating to me. This is this is as if we spent a month talking about a middle schooler's shitty band's dark song lyrics. Fuck this movie. <laughs> yes. I I'm yeah. I did not hate it as much as you did. I literally had very little to say about it. Anyway, the Joker. The Golden Globes say it has a good score. Uh, my <sighs> most overhyped is Ford versus Ferrari. Oh, I didn't see it. It is so fucking boring. Oh. Uh, it is like... Yeah, it's been getting confoundingly good reviews, but it's like the daddiest of dad <laughs> movies. It's like literally like women standing by as the men do their work. But it's also just like there's a lot of just bonding mo- uh, moments between the man and his son and the man and his man friend and man <laughs> and his car. And it's like three hours long. And man, fuck that movie. <laughs> 
There's also oh hold that the worst scene is when like I forget the context for it, but it almost doesn't matter. Like um, Matt Damon comes over to Christian Bale's house, and Christian Bale is just coming home from like getting groceries. And um, oh, is this the trailer scene where they fight on the street? Yes, like it, and it is like, and I don't know how. Like I guess they had like he disappointed. Like Matt Damon keeps just disappointing uh, Christian Bale, and Christian Bale just like keeps coming back to them anyway. And then they like fight in the street, and the his wife, uh, Christian Bale's wife takes out a lawn chair and sits down as if to, like, be a spectator. So the in opening that. moment of the trailer, I And believe. it's like, oh, yeah, let the men do their men stuff. And it's, oh, what, what bullshit. Fuck this movie. I didn't even, that was my least favorite trailer of the year. Even though I like everyone involved, there's just something about that trailer that I hate. And I, I hated that moment less. It just felt so, like, ugh, quirky. I, I fucking hated that trailer. Yeah. I didn't see the movie, though. It's, because I hated the trailer. Oh, it's... Don't do it to yourself. It's so bad. All right. Well, speaking of uh, things that we didn't like watching, what's something you couldn't watch? Our next superlative is scene where you had to look away from the screen. So this is going to be a spoiler. So I guess fast forward to some well, point. I guess in the say future. what the say what the title is, and then uh, it's Midsummer. Okay. Uh, and it is the scene. So I'm kind of going to set it up. Uh, but the idea is is that like they're kind of sort of just arrived, and the this is probably the first kind of weird thing that happens. But oh boy, is it a <laughs> a doozy? Uh, is this the mountain leap? Yes. And so it is kind of, so everyone kind of gathers around looking up at the top of this cliff and you see these uh, old man and old woman standing there and everyone's like, oh, what's going to happen? And you're kind of already know in your head what's going to happen, but like you're sort of waiting for the characters to get there. And then it does happen. They do leap from that cliff. And yes, they do have a close-up of what they look like once they land. And it was very hard to watch. I feel like Ari Aster doesn't like heads. Oh, for sure. He doesn't <laughs> like them in their whole variant. Um. All right. My scene where I had to look away uh, comes from... Uh, um, Climax. Like I said, getting two superlatives. Um, there are a lot of lot of choices I could have done with this. Um, uh, there's a f- f- very, very um, uh, disturbing sex scene. Um, a lot of stuff involving a child. Those are not the two same things. The sex scene does not involve a child. <laughs> but anything involving the child in the second half of the movie oh, is yeah. upsetting. But I'm going to go with anything involving the woman who lights her hair on fire. Oh, God. I don't. I don't even think it's as unpleasant. It's more we see her on fire, and then we see her later. And I, I kept knowing we were gonna see her again. And I don't think it's as bad as I expected. But mm. it's still like I knew it was coming. And uh. yes, uh, ouch. that movie gets so intense. Ouch! 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 All right. So I think right. you go next. Sure. Or I go next. Who knows? You go next. Number four. All right. Uh, My number four is um, a movie, uh, I feel like this was a a little divisive, um, but I really liked it, Uh, Under the Silver Lake. Oh, I have not seen it. Yeah, this was, uh, what's the director? It's the guy who made um, 
uh, uh, It Follows. Can you John look Cameron Mitchell? Is that true? Is that yes, I name? think you're right. Uh, it also made American Sleepover. Uh, yeah. Look it up. Watch me be really wrong. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Under the Silver Lake um, takes place in L.A. Um, Andrew Garfield plays a, um, a loner, maybe writer. David Robert Mitchell. David Robert Mitchell. Oh, John Cameron Mitchell is fucking uh, uh, Hedwig. Yeah, his Hedwig. Uh, I always get them confused. <laughs> uh, but so um, he plays a, a slacker guy who's just kind of hanging out and becomes obsessed with a um, uh, obsessed with a woman who appears to go missing and then starts following a conspiracy theory that is both about nothing and everything at the same time. Um, his character is incredibly unlikable. And I think this is one of the main things people, uh, people who didn't like this movie didn't like. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he, the, all, there's so many, <laughs> we're just so surrounded by conspiracy theories right now. Um, this was just this week. Um, as we started 2019, uh, sorry, as we started 2020, an election year, um, as a sign of where America's critical thinking was, thousands of Americans believed a conspiracy theory about Rise of the Skywalker that Disney purposefully sabotaged it because they didn't want Warner Brothers to hire J.J. Abrams to make a Superman movie. <laughs> this was a real conspiracy theory that thousands of people believed, and they were tweeting angrily at movie critics who tried to explain that it was fucking stupid. Um, <laughs> but beyond all the fact that... Uh, uh, Conspiracy theories are such a disturbing part of our lives right now because people are fucking stupid. Um, uh, this is such a funny movie and creepy movie. It's very much it's in that kind of, um, you know, Big Lebowski feel. It's very episodic. And each set piece he goes to is really interesting. All the supporting characters he meets are so fascinating. Um, it's creepy. It's beautiful. It's funny. Uh, and... There is a scene that that might get mentioned in a superlative later on. Um, yeah, I, 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 under the Silver Lake. I don't think many people saw it, but you should check it out. Nice. I want to check it out. I think, ironically, the reason why I didn't is because it wasn't in theaters. Yeah. No. It it uh, uh it had like a, a festival release and didn't get a um a great response. It got a very divisive response. And then it was just kind of dumped on streaming this year. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm no I'm no crazy iconoclast. Uh, it's been popping up on a number of top 10 lists. So I'm not yeah. the only one who really liked it. No, I, I want to check it out. I It had like very like inherent vice vibes yeah. for me. That's and, a, I think that's a fair comparison. Which I really liked. Uh, my number four is probably going to get mentioned again, I would imagine, Parasite. Mm. Uh, Parasite was great, like everyone says. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a, it's a story about a quirky uh, Korean family of hustlers who are trying to make a better life for themselves by basically becoming the entire staff of this oblivious rich family. Uh, I'm not going to say much more. (laughs) Things get crazy. There are very fun scenes in the middle. I might spoil one in the next thing. Uh, But yeah, I thought it was just very fun, very 
incisive. I'm not going to say about Korean culture since I know jack shit about that, but just like about, you know, just class in general. Um, and uh, Bong Joon-ho is such a great director. I have since then seen a bunch of movies that he's done and there were no duds in them. Uh, yeah, so just check it out. It's great. As he said last uh, night at the Golden Globes, once you get past the, uh, what is it? Inch high barrier. The inch high barrier of subtitles, uh, you will find a wealth of new movies to experience. But if you can't do that, don't worry. Veronica and I will release a dubbed version. Of course. She'll do the uh, Jessica (laughs) song. Oh, can we? Can we? Can we? (laughs) Uh, Yes. Anyway, that's not my number four. All right. You're starting off the next one. Number three. Number three is a marriage story. Uh, Yeah, just really love the movie. I think I love basically all Noah Baumbach movies that are not Greenberg. Uh, (laughs) And... um, yeah, I thought this was another really great one. I think the opening scene is so good and it has just so many other amazing scenes and moments in it. Um, having not ever gotten divorced before, I can't really speak to authenticity of it all, but it felt You very... spoke to the authenticity of China, but you can't speak <laughs> to the authenticity true. of getting divorced. I mean, I'm as far away from divorce as I am from China, to be honest. Yep, divorce is on the other side of the planet. <laughs> But, yeah, it just felt like very, like, I don't know. It just felt like there were no, like, rights or wrongs. Though I have a pet theory that men relate more to Adam Driver and women relate more to uh, uh, ScarJo, but I can't say that for a fact. Um, uh, but I'd, yeah. be in- I'd be interested to, to hear if it breaks down as gendered as it does. I mean, certainly they talk about gender issues. I mean, there's that big Laura Dern uh, yeah. monologue. But I wonder if, I'm sh- since so much of their fights fall down to your career consumed my life, I'm while I'm sure certainly in the past that's been much more a... Mm-hmm. Uh, male thing, but I, I I'm sure there are couples where that would f- fall the other way. Yeah, no, I I I'm sure that is true. I it just it it felt like even though I was on Team ScarJo, it felt like the arguments that the other side was making are like legit things that I could see someone being on the side of. Even though that's not really the point of the movie. The point of the movie is to let you know that divorce is fucking expensive, man. This is $45,000. That's definitely, I think, the major takeaway of that movie. Um. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, Marriage Story, great. Check out all Noah Baumbach movies that are not Greenberg. They're all also great. All right, my number three. And Alan Alda's in it, and he's yeah. wonderful. And Ray Liotta. And Ray Liotta. He's also wonderful. <laughs> my number three, um, uh, uh, a movie I liked at least quite a bit. Oh, boy. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. <laughs> um, I thought it was great. Um, uh, I listened to that episode. Um, <laughs> it's a uh, portrait of a time and a place and a fairy tale version of what could have been um, it's funny. It's at times very tense. It's at times a heartbreaking. Um, but yeah, um, you guys know what it's fucking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, I I loved it a lot. And like I said, <sighs> yeah, fuck it. You saw it. If, if you're listening to this, you saw it. If you want to, the history rewriting that happens in this movie, I I 
didn't it did very little for me when he did a similar thing in Inglorious Bastards, even though I really like that movie. Um, to me, I listen to that episode if you want to hear <laughs> talk in lo- at length about the very final scene in this movie and how much I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I loved all the performances. I loved um, Leonardo DiCaprio and the little girl. Um, yeah, I loved it a lot. I've, I watched it twice in the theaters, thought I'd be bored the second time, went back with some friends who hadn't seen it, um, and ended up uh, liking it even more. Wow. I saw it twice in theaters, too. <laughs> I liked it less. Uh-oh. <laughs> uh, what is your number? I'll, I'll say one thing about this movie. So the one thing that I was bored by the second time I saw it was all the driving scenes, just driving around L.A., Mm-hmm. Um, uh, this past, uh, uh, or a couple weekends ago, I, um, uh, some friends of mine were in town from uh, LA and they lived in New York for years. And my friend John moved to LA, um, about three or four years ago. And he said that he, he loves New York so much and it's, it's been very hard for him to grow to love LA. And the thing that made him love L.A. was watching this movie. He watched this movie. He saw it again. And now he and some friends once a month go to visit famous old movie, uh, like places from like old Hollywood where famous, like famous movie stars of the 40s hung out and stuff like that. And it's this movie has made him uh, find an appreciation of um, his new home. Well, there you go. Very nice. What is your number two? I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> <laughs> well, my number two is your number three. We're getting to the the repetitious part of this list, I'm sure. Uh, it is Marriage Story. Ooh. Um, I thought it was great. I, like you, love uh, Noah Baumbach films. I even enjoyed a lot of Greenberg. Uh, it's not bad. I just think in, compared to everything. Just a very bad. unpleasant person to spend time <laughs> with. Um, but uh, yeah, I loved it. Like you, I think the, the first scene is one of the great, great movie openings of all time. It sets up everything so well. The themes of the movie, it's funny. It's heartbreaking. Um, this is a movie... Uh, I honestly, this is going to sound like I'm being sarcastic. I love, love when movies or TV shows show character by having people do karaoke songs. (laughs) I love it so much. And we get two competing versions of that here. That's true. Um, I love the performances. It's people, I talk to so many people like, I don't want to see it. It's a weepy. It is so funny. Right. Yes. I would I found it funnier than I found it sad. Obviously it's sad, mm-hmm. but it's so funny. Um I love the performances. Uh yeah, I loved it a lot. Yeah, I mean, same here. It's this has been a year of like a lot of like company references. There's that, there's Joker. There's co-op. <laughs> The best episode well, of television this year well, from Documentary up. Now. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so good. Anyway, uh, great movie. Uh, <laughs> my number two uh, is probably a movie you haven't seen, mm. but everyone should. It's wonderful. It's a documentary. It's called Ask Dr. Ruth. Yes, it's a documentary about Dr. Ruth, but that woman lived a fucking life. It is pretty much a by the numbers documentary i'm not gonna say this it's revolutionary in any way but it is so touching and so heartwarming and inspiring and all those schmaltzy things to see this 90 year old woman survive basically like she lost her parents to the holocaust and just thrive as 
a woman ahead of her time in so many ways who is still so energetic and just like a tiny little dynamo at her age and just her story just really got to me and uh, I really, really liked it. Yeah, I did not see that. You're right. It's on Hulu okay. and it's great. <laughs> All right. We're doing our last superlatives for the episode right. now. I'll start this one off. Um, uh, this is favorite movie that wasn't from this year that we saw for the first time this year. And mine, I actually have discussed already on this podcast, uh, was House, the Japanese (laughs) horror fantasy movie from 1977. Uh, if you didn't hear me talk about it on whatever episode I talked about it, um, House is such a weird fucking movie. It is, um, beautiful and weird. Uh, this is a movie where, um, a commercial director, he do, he was famous for directing commercials, wanted to make a horror movie. This is after the success of Jaws. These movies have nothing in common. <laughs> uh, he decided to make a ghost movie. He talked to his preteen age daughter, had her basically come up with the entire plot. And then he and another guy wrote the script. And um, like I said in that episode, you'd think if you to- asked like an 11 year old to come up with a movie script, you would then tweak it to make it more make more sense. He did not do that. So this feels so much like a uh, dad directing the ramblings of a child. Uh, but it's wonderful, uh, including the the tons of nudity in this movie. That's very surprising when it starts happening. But um, the music's great. It's The visuals are so bizarre. They um, purposely went with unrealistic special effects. So they look insane. It is it is just so much fun to watch. Hey, I've not seen it. I've seen the poster. Looks fun. <laughs> uh mine is well, this is a second mention of Taika Waititi this year uh, or this episode, but I for the first time I've seen The Hunt for the Wilder People mm. and you know what? It warmed up my cold cynical heart. <laughs> uh it is such Did it warm you up after Jojo Rabbit? Uh, I saw it way before, uh, which is why, also why I had pretty high expectations for it, um, which were dashed. Anyway, uh, Hunt your for expectations the Wilder, were for Jojo Rabbit. For Jojo Rabbit, um, and yeah, it, this is a lovely movie. Please check it out. Uh, it's uh, about this uh, foster kid who goes from house to house, and uh, he ends up hanging out with this uh he basically gets fostered by a woman who happens to have a husband but she's the only one who actually wants children and then she dies and so he ends up with Sam Neill uh who is now his basically father figure and they go on a run uh and it's so fun there's so Sam many Sam Neill from Jurassic Park? Yep. I didn't even realize he was in this. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they go on the run from the authorities, um, and it's wonderful. It's, there's so many funny set pieces, heartwarming stuff. Obviously, they learn to love each other and, uh, be happy together. Um, but the journey is great and fun, and New Zealand is very photogenic, and I really want to (laughs) visit. All right. Okay, so... Well, now we're on to performance of the year. All right. I'll start it off. I'm going to say Adam Driver in Twist, 
Rise Star of Wars. the Skywalker. I am going to say, because yes, Adam Driver is brilliant in Marriage Story. But guess what? The script for Marriage Story is brilliant. The direction of Marriage Story is brilliant. This Everything in Marriage Story is great. Everything he's given to do in Rise of the Skywalker is so fucking stupid <laughs> and terrible. And yet he still makes it work. He has to do things that are so dumb and his character, like, on the page, what ha- transpires with his character makes literally no sense. But he makes it work. And, um, slight spoilers. <sighs> there is a moment. There is a we moment. You can spoil Star Wars. <laughs> Everyone who wanted to see Star Wars has seen Star Wars. The moment with the pass off of the lightsaber, which actually um, could have gone in my uh, good good scene in a bad movie thing. Um, it's one of the only things in the movie that's well set up and executed. But after that, he does a little smile. And I'm so many people have already pointed out this thing. But he does this thing where for the first time you're like, oh, that's, that's Han Solo's son. And it's Is that the twist? He's Han Solo's son? See some fucking Star Wars movies, Veronica. What? That is so stupid. He's always been Han Solo's son. Really? Did I you mean, not realize? No, no, I've I've not seen any of the movies that he was in. That really? That's so this silly. This one has sadly <laughs> retroactively made the new trilogy worthless. Is there like That's silly now? Are that's there the first rules one. against them not all having to just be related to each other? Uh, you are leaning into everything that is wrong about this movie in particular but no he was always set up at he was the one supposed to be the one legacy character in the franchise in the of the new characters um and that was han solo or kylo kylo ren he was the the son of han solo is that a character from a previous trilogy no he's introduced it's a it is so a, how is it he's the only one from the old trilogy? Because the other new characters are not children of old characters. Oh. Okay. I mean, it could have gone that way. And, Whatever. Okay, fucking spoilers. After the second one very definitively says, no, none of them are the children of the, of the old characters, this movie goes, twist, yes they are. Oh, so the girl is the child of someone? It is so much. Is mu- she Princess Leia's daughter? Well, no. Kylo Ren is Princess Leia's daughter. Hold on. He's a boy. <laughs> Oh, son. This is... Why am so, I trying... Oh, you you have the, not seen these movies. This no, is insane for me to try to explain. Uh, um, yes, he's Leia and Han Solo's son. Okay. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> but uh, he is... He. This is, again, I... I, I, I it is no and the performances throughout are great. Everyone is trying their best with the stupid garbage that they have to do. Daisy Ridley, wonderful. I mean, the best thing of this new trilogy is how fun the new characters are. They're all wonderful. Um, but yeah. Uh, we can talk about this in our next episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Spoilers. Uh, my performance of the year is The Sandman, <laughs> Adam oh, Sandler. Yeah. Uh, I thought he did a bang-up job uh, in Uncut Gems. He, like... So I lived in Israel for a long time, and I know this guy. <laughs> I've, like, seen so many of this guy, and he just, like, it, it was such an, like, a pitch-perfect depiction of this kind of, like, a hustler, deal-maker guy who's always in over his head. Uh, and he was wonderful. He should do more dramas. <laughs> Uh, I bet he will because they always said that he was scared away after the 
um, lackluster reception to Punch Drunk Love, which is crazy because he's great and the movie's yeah. great. Uh, but I wonder, because he's gotten nothing but acclaim with this one. Although I hope so. Although it looks like, uh, once again, he'll be snubbed for awards. Yeah, but awards are bullshit. But hey, got to give Joaquin that great Golden Globe for Joker, movie of the year. He wasn't even nominated, right? Yeah. That's sad. Uh, anyway. But the fucking kid from Jojo Rabbit was. <laughs> That's Let's silly. Let's be honest. I wanted, kid, to be honest, I wanted him to win because I always love it when children win the awards. The kid is great. But when a child is that young, that is a directing award, <laughs> not an acting award. But to be honest, I really much loved uh, his uh, chubby sidekick. Yeah. <laughs> that kid was so sweet. The, those kids are great. I mean, they are the the kids are legitimately great. The same way that like Haley Joel Osment was legitimately great in a sixth sense, but it's always so stupid to nominate a child. I, I love it because it literally anytime a child wins, it get gives me an opportunity to like see all these adult actors be very upset. <laughs> which I like. Anyway, John, what is your uh, scene of the year? My scene of the year. All right. First, I'm going to do an... Uh, this is my other cheating one. Uh-huh. Uh, it's my honorable mention. Um, and this is also cheating because it's two scenes. I'm going to lie. But uh, <laughs> but this is the entire sequence in uh, Booksmart um, at the, from the pool into the fight at the party. Oh, yeah. Um, and because it's kind of connected by one take shot, I'll, I'll, I'm going to treat it as one scene, even though it's multiple shots once I get into it. Um, I don't know what it is about coming-of-age movies. They love underwater scenes whether it's the graduate whether it's the pool party in eighth grade a couple years ago but this one was that last year wow um this one has is this is it a perfume genius song that's playing i don't know i don't know what the kids are listening um but it's this it's a wonderful the song is so perfect it's visually beautiful when um uh uh, the uh, denver's Caitlin Den- Catherine Dever. Den- Dever? Caitlin Dever. The one who's not related to Jonah Hill. Um, she's underwater. Catherine it's beautiful. Dever? There's a, a plot point that happens. She leaves. And then she and her friend get in a big fight. And it's so well done. That part is like lit by the phones of people taping them. Um, I loved that sequence. All great. That's my honorable mention. But my scene of the year is is the piano man scene from Under the Silver Lake. Oh, I thought from Elton John's movie. <laughs> oh, I guess yep. that's yep. Billy Joel. The scene where Billy Joel appears and he's like, I'll handle this, Elton. Uh, no, uh, I. it would be impossible to describe this sequence without giving a, a ton away, even though it doesn't really give anything away because none of the conspiracy shit makes sense on purpose. But... um. Yeah, uh, this scene is this lengthy conversation between um, Andrew Garfield's character and this truly terrifying character who's terrifying and fascinating. It's the kind of scene, it's so wonderfully wrapped up in how we appreciate pop culture and what it means to us and the difference between pop culture as art and commerce, but it's also funny and frightening. It is... this is one where I just, it's very hard to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys should see this movie and you'll know this scene when it happens. Dope. All right. John. Mm-hmm. If I say the word fuckbox, what does that make you think of? Fuckbox. It's probably a movie you haven't seen because if you 
did, you would have known what I meant. But uh, it is uh, a scene from the movie High Life. Oh, uh, okay, yes. Yeah, I did not see it, but I know enough about the movie to know what, what this is. So, yes. So, in the movie High Life, uh, Juliette Binoche Should plays... I see this? I've heard mixed things. Some I, people I love didn't, it. I didn't really... I... I it was a contender for like bad scene in a good movie oh, okay. or a good scene in a bad movie right. for me. Uh, I I don't know that it came together that well, but I a lot of people did like it, so I don't know. Just check it out. You might like it. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, she plays this somewhat demented doctor who is trying. Basically, I think the idea is that she's trying to get. Uh, these uh, young, sexy convicts in space to impregnate each other to sort of research uh, childbirth in space. Uh, and it's their, like, the convict's punishment to be subjected to her research. Uh, and um, so for her fun times <laughs> in between artificial, failed artificial inseminations, she goes into this box that basically just has... <laughs> like a metal dildo in the center of it. It's all black and gets fucked by the box. Uh, it is uh, so weird. Uh, so that is my runner up. This scene's been described <laughs> more. It, it always sounds like if Howard Stern directed 2001. It was so shocking that the scene was in that movie. It was really fun. Also, like the fuck box ejaculates. <laughs> this is another detail. Um, Anyway, that was fun. I actually have three scenes, so I'm going to talk about them very quickly. Uh, the second one is a The Marriage Story uh, home visit. Okay. Uh, yeah. It is uh, a scene where the lady from Baskets, who is as deadpan in this movie as she is on the show Baskets, comes to see whether Adam Driver's uh, apartment that he hastily assembled in L.A. Uh, is uh, fitting for him to raise his child. It is as awkward as you imagine it to be. Uh, there are fun knife tricks involved. <laughs> uh, it is uh, a great and wonderful scene. Uh, and is, as we mentioned before, very funny. Uh, and uh, probably my scene of the year, yeah, I don't know how I would rank these, but is Parasite, spoiler alert for Parasite. Um, slowly as the movie progresses, we find out that... The Hustler family that we've been watching who sort of found their way to the house did so by getting rid of the previous housekeeper. And one night uh, when the fancy family is away, this family decides to party it up in their fancy, well-manicured house. Uh, but at just as it starts to rain, the old housekeeper shows up and insists on coming in. What follows is a revelation that there's even someone lower on the food chain than they are living in a secret basement that the rich family does not know about. That person is the husband of that old housekeeper woman who's been avoiding his uh, debtors by pretending to be missing and living inside that basement. That is not the scene, even though the revelation is hilarious and weird and as bizarre as most things in that movie. My favorite scene happens once the housekeeper realizes that that family are all related to each other takes a photo of them and then proceeds to blackmail them 
by uh, by basically threatening to send a video of them all together in that house to the rich family. And while they're doing that, she and her husband are hanging out in the living room. She massages him all over. She pretends to be a North Korean anchor, all while uh, forcing uh, the other family to just sit there with their hands in the air. Uh, And yeah, it was a really great and funny and weird scene that I feel like really encapsulates the spirit of Parasite quite well. I talked a lot. Yep. (laughs) Anyway, what is your number one movie, John? All right. My number one movie uh, we haven't heard about in a while. It's Parasite. Oh, yay. Um, Yeah, guys, Parasite's great. You know Parasite's great. Even if you haven't seen Parasite, you're probably like, oh, I hear it's great. Um, It is great. No, it's uh, so funny. Um, What is your favorite Parasite scene? My favorite parasite scene would be the role playing between the rich couple that the that other characters for certain reasons are forced to listen to. Oh, uh, so that's like right after sort of the scene that I described. I, uh, Fun scene. Yes, yeah. Um, no, I, I, I. There's so many parts of it that I love. Um, it's. I think I've made this comparison before on the on this podcast, but like to compare something like this that has so many unique original ideas and is saying something. Um, saying something and making you think about things so well and has so many things on its mind to compare it to a movie like Joker. Oh, God. <laughs> that has God. nothing to say. <laughs> but it really is like, like I mean, I maybe I'm just like a negative person who the easiest way to show how something is good is to show how something else is bad. But, but yeah, I, it's it, Parasite is so fun to watch. Um, but makes you even even though my my mom came out of it and called me to tell me how bad she felt about the state of the world after watching this movie, um, although she loved it. But yeah, it is. I mean, that is kind of how you feel at the end of the movie. But uh, it's so it's just it's so fun. It's so funny. It's so surprising. It's so tense. It is everything that is great about movies. It's great. Yay! It is great. All right, finish us off. All right, my number one movie is another documentary. Uh, And it does represent everything that is good about people and humanity and ingenuity. It is Apollo 11. Oh. That movie is so amazing. I was in there, I was like, like, the the Mr. Rogers documentary was last (laughs) year. Uh, That movie, for those who don't know, it's basically... A documentary assembled solely from footage filmed during uh, the Apollo 11 space mission, whether on Earth or by the three astronauts on the Apollo 11 spaceship. It's amazing. I'm not a space nerd or (laughs) anyone with any knowledge about space in any way. But just this movie just really brings home the really fucking amazing feat that those people did of just getting a fucking rocket into space and back and, like, with duct tape and with, like, no fancy computers. And it was just worked. All these things just came together and humanity won. And it was wonderful. And also, I mean, that compare with just 
footage you probably have never seen before from how it works. The whole thing is very chronological. It's like shows you pre, during, post, but it's just like it shows you all these different angles from people, spectators watching it from the control room, from inside the spaceship, from on the moon. It shows you like all the cool pictures they took while they were on the moon. It shows you where, like, they lived after because they had to be, like, uh, sequestered for, like, three days or something. Uh, for tests? Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I think, just had like, no for, idea what would happen to them. Yeah, so they just, like, kept them they in this, They could have turned like, into chamber. aliens. Yeah, and it's just, it's so cool. Uh, it's so great. It really made me hopeful about humanity. I keep saying it, but it is true. And it was just like, what are the positive and great things that we can achieve if we actually put our mind to it? Um, what a great thing to say as we enter what is sure to be the worst election of all time. But I feel like even with things that seem like very hopeless right now, like global warming, I feel like this movie is proof that actually like, which makes it even sadder in the sense of just like, we can totally do this. Like, we <laughs> send a man to the moon within a decade. Like, we can do anything. It's just, why aren't we doing positive things? You can create Twitter and then declare war on it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, Apollo 11 is wonderful. Please watch it. It's not saccharine in any way. And uh, it's it's very, very good. Yeah. I would say out of all the movies, I know we said like a lot of meh movies. I feel like Apollo 11 is definitely so good. <laughs> yeah, there, you, while maybe there weren't as many peaks as some years, um, even all the even though like maybe a lot uh, some movies on this list were movies that I was more like, yeah, I really liked it. It was really interesting more than I truly loved. Like the more I talked about them, I really did enjoy these movies, and there were movies that that did that could have made my list, mm-hmm. and and didn't. There were movies that were, you know, um, uh, uh, a movie that that um, I'm sure many people didn't see, uh, uh, Greener Grass, the incredibly bizarre comedy that I I per- kind of purposely didn't put on the list because I know most of the people who made it, um, but like that's a wonderful comedy that came out, and anyone who likes really weird gross comedy should check that out um or some other ones that almost made my list um for me it was the fire festival documentaries oh yeah i feel like that was a year for I me can, i considered one of, of those yeah it was uh, fun. knives out um uh yeah. i liked a lot uh there you know good things were made this year yeah no i agree it's just none of them were apollo 11, the best movie of the year all right well on this note should we wrap it up? For yeah, a, a little positivity. Yeah. You know what, guys? If we put our heads together, there's no telling what we could achieve. To the moon! Let's go back to the fucking moon! <laughs> Yay! Bye! Toot toot! toot. <laughs>